Bad Quaker.com podcast. Today is Thursday, November 8th, 2012. My name is Ben Stone, and this is podcast number 226. And with me again is my co host, Kai. Hello. Um, let's see. Now it's uh, what, one day after election or two days? Two days uh, after two election. Two days after, after election. Hmm. So yes. we don't have to talk about voting anymore, do we? We don't. Ha- I think our position on voting is pretty clear at this point. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a real brief commercial. I won't bore you forever, but I do want to mention that uh, badquaker.com has a forum, and we have something like, uh, I think, maybe 70 members or something like that. And I don't know, but it's, it's increasing every day. Yeah, it's growing every day. And it's growing not only in membership, but in content, mm-hmm. which is really the whole point. The right. more people get in there and interact and talk with each other and you kind of, you work things out and, and there's some really, uh, there's some really good discussions going on in there. There are. Uh, and there's also some really silly stuff. You know, there's a, um, there's a how to step by step, uh, on planting potatoes right. that Kai and I put together like what two years ago, three years ago. When did no, we do that? It was um, it was a, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, and um, and it's in, it's informative and completely goofy at the same time. Right. Kai was the photographer and co-writer. <laughs> if we if we if you could pretend we had a script, and uh, and we put together a little pictorial tutorial on how to plant. Um, how to grow potatoes in a in a bin with uh, minimal uh, minimal watering and and so forth. And, right. And we had pretty good results from it. We learned quite a bit from the from the process too. But the step by step is in there. There's a gardening section, and you can find it. And and I've said this before. You know, if you would if you, if you want to support BadQuaker.com, but you don't necessarily want to, or you don't have the money to throw at it. Um, a good way to support badquaker.com is just to get involved in the forum, make an identity, it's free, and just get in there and you know read what other people have posted and interact in a friendly manner. And if you've never done you know if you've never done a forum, if you've never been involved in one, it's really not that hard. There's tips on how to set up an, a, a, a profile and everything. And it's really not hard. And also you shouldn't feel like um, you know, uh, as long as you're nice and polite, right? Uh, you're not going to do anything that's really going to get you mocked or anything on that on that forum, so, right? Um, and um, and you may have noticed that the comments have been turned off for each individual podcast as they get posted. Um, the forum has um, threads for each podcast and uh and comments are on there now yeah so if there's a comment that you want to post instead of having to go through the 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 you know word generator thing and all of that to post a comment um you can just create an identity on the forum and then you can post comments there yeah you can you can uh, just create the identity once 
and then you can comment as much as you want on it. Right. And there, are, if you go to the forum without logging in, you can see a good portion of it. You can't you can't interact with it, but you can look at it. Right. Um, and and then if you create an identity then you can see a little bit more of the form and interact with it a little bit more. Right. And there is kind of a pause when you very first create your identity um, until one of the administrators goes in, or I think a moderator can do this too, and changes you from, uh, I think it's newbie to listener or something like that. Right. Um, when that takes place, that, and that'll happen as soon as they make sure you're not a... Uh, a spam bot. Yeah, as soon as they realize you're a real person and not just somebody looking to spam the... the the uh, forum with a bunch of advertising. But um, once that's established and then uh, they change you to a listener and then there's more of the forum that you can interact with. And then if you so choose, you can also, I think it's like $4 a month uh, as a, as a supporting member. And that'll let you see even more of the forum and you can interact in there. Right. Well, and you'll be supporting badquaker.com. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, Everything costs stuff these days. Yeah. The, the uh, all the these microphones we're talking into, the computers we're recorded with, all of that has been given uh, by listeners in support of this. So, you know, and and paying for the website, it's going to come due uh, in January, I think, or maybe before then. I can't remember when the website is due because right. I don't own the website. But, <laughs> but either way, it's not your job. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so anyway, uh, so, but that's, you know, that's not necessarily a commercial for, to get money from people. Right. Just being on the forum and interacting and posting your thoughts and asking questions that supports badquaker.com in the sense that, uh, the more active the forum is, the more Google and other places like that will see it and draw more people towards it. And the more right. people will get to hear the podcast that right. way. And there's also, um, we've been having, we've over the past few days, we've had a huge spike in the number of Facebook, uh, likes that we've got on the bad Quaker page. And that's, that's a huge way to support bad Quaker too, is to share our Facebook with your friends and post it on your wall. And, and, you know, I mean, that doesn't cost you anything and we're not saying spam your friends list, you know, but, um, if you like us and, you want to maybe promote it to your friends if you think any of your friends might like it then you know by all means we would really appreciate it and here's something else too uh i've mentioned before like uh uh, one time i was looking through um where the hits were coming from in the you know in the software and we got a a bunch of them from uh, one particular uh web page and so i followed that link backwards and i found out that uh somebody at a different website altogether just mentioned us in the comments section talking about other things that were in that on that website and because of that we got a bunch of hits coming from that from there was only like three people discussing this in in the comments of a different website right one of them put a link to us and because of that we got a whole wave of new people that came in over that right and then just uh i think it was yesterday or day before i was looking through uh, where the where the hits are coming from and uh, we got a bunch from a Reddit page. We got, well, a bunch. It was like 15 or 17 or something something like that from, from just one Reddit right. page. Not from Reddit in, together, but right. just that one thread in Reddit. And so I followed it backwards and looked. And it was a bunch of people talking about voting. I think it was in, I think it was in Kansas or, or maybe it was Kansas City. It mm-hmm. might have been Kansas City. And they were talking about voting. 
And in the course of the discussion, there was only like four or five people that were uh, typing and you know and discussing this in, right. the, in that thread. But one of the people just said, "Here's a different view on voting. You might want to check this out and link to Bad Quaker the your the podcast you and I did on voting." Right. And um, and nobody on that thread even acknowledged that that person had put that there. Right. They just like totally ignored that that one person who put that there. <laughs> because clearly he's insane. But of all the people who were seeing that and following along and not commenting on it, right? Like fifteen or seventeen, just within a matter of a few hours, right? Followed that over to Bad Quaker and hit that that podcast, right? So oftentimes on the internet, you know, when you're commenting on something, you think. Well, nobody's reading what I'm saying or whatever, but you never know how many people are just scrolling through and reading mm-hmm. stuff like that and never log in, never comment or anything. Yeah. So if, whether you're supporting badquaker.com or whether you're supporting some other website, uh, you can do a tremendous amount of good if you're chatting on all kinds of other places and you just casually mention, oh, you know, here's something you might want to check out. Right. Even if the people you're talking to uh, don't want to hear any of that. Right. Somebody might see it. Right. I, I used to do that constantly for Free State Project stuff when I back when I was still thought I was invisible on the internet. You know? <laughs> um, the other thing is, if anybody out there in the listening universe is um, is torrenting us, uh, please make sure and let us know either on the forum or through email or on the Facebook page because. Um, as far as our knowledge right now, I don't think we have anybody torrenting us. I don't. I don't understand any of that. <laughs> That's something about a cloud and the magic <laughs> buttons and things. I don't understand. But, um, so uh, I mean, and there's there's no way to track uh, how many hits you get from torrent because torrent is invisible, you know, because they don't want the government seeing you. <laughs> but but uh if you if you have seeded us or you are torrenting us or you have us available to torrent um you know just give us a, a shout and let us know that that's taking place i should probably set up a torrent for bad quaker i have that ability i don't know i don't understand torrenting is when you steal other people's ip is this illegally is download things <laughs> Is I'm I'm sure you're being uh, sarcastic right now, right? No, and that's how you. That's since um since the whole file sharing like they used to do with Napster that got pretty shut down. Mm-hmm. They've moved to a new way of doing it, and it's torrenting. And so that's how the new hip kids these days are downloading their free movies and music and TV shows and stuff. I see. So on that topic, let me tell you about my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, kid! I'm not interested in your technology. I have no idea what you're talking about. So here's a bunny with a with a uh, pancake <laughs> on its head. No, actually, there is some uh, pertinent pertinent pert- there is some relativity here. Uh, I was listening to the Freedom Fiend. I kind of got behind on listening to the Freedom Fiends podcasts. Yeah, and so I was trying to catch them up a couple days ago. And I, I caught one of them where they were talking about that Nima has this sleep disorder. And what happens is when he wakes up, um, okay, let me back up a little bit. There's a chemical that releases in your in your body when you're asleep. Right. And it essentially um, 
it petrifies your not petrifies paralyzes paralyzes yeah it paralyzes your limbs basically right so that you can't in your sleep when you're you know like if a dog attacks you in your sleep you can't be kicking and thrashing your arms at it It does not always work yeah it's it's not a it's not an entirely (laughs) fail-safe system It could be tweaked. I wake a bit. up. I wake up with bruises on the back of my hand so frequently, and it took me. It probably took me about six months to figure out where I was getting these bruises on the back of my hand, and then I realized that I was smacking things in my sleep. <laughs> my uh, my arms. It, this this whatever this chemical is works really good on my arms and my mouth, <laughs> but it doesn't affect my legs at all. Right. So um, so I have very active dreams and i'm very often aware that i'm dreaming when when i'm having dreams and oftentimes uh i can utilize my dreams for recreational activity because i can fly i can fly in my dreams and i know how to initiate flight in my dreams and then i can fly all over the place see all kinds of things right and um or sometimes you know it's easier in a dream if you're sludging along and you're trying to walk through a dream and all of a sudden you're like you feel like your legs are just all you know, turn into jelly or not working very good in your dream. Have you ever had that? No. Yeah, 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 you have. Trust me. No. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't really remember a lot of my dreams, but I do remember that most of the time if I have to go somewhere, it's just like then you're there. Ah. Like well, I never have the walking through bits. I have the opposite problem. I start to go there and the more I try to make myself walk there, the more it seems like I'm not walking. Right. And that's probably because of that chemical that's not allowing my legs to function correctly right so i i found a solution in my dream i just lift myself off the ground and fly like you do yeah oh why wouldn't you (laughs) so i mean it's a dream you can do anything you want and if you understand that if you realize that it's your dream you can do anything then you just make it happen and if you're in a situation in the dream that you're that's very unpleasant you're like, well, I don't like this. I'll just fly someplace else. <laughs> and so you just, you know, and and if you if you play with your dreams enough, if you are if you can become aware during your dreams and do that, right. then you can do this. Right. But they um, make special masks that you can wear during your sleep mm-hmm. that um, monitor your eye movement, and when it notices that you're in a dream, it flashes lights, and it wakes up your conscious bits of your brain and lets you have lucid dreams like that. Hmm. Um, well, I don't know if they work or not, but I know they make them. My method's cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, if, if I'm not noticing, sometimes I'm in a dream like that and I know it's a dream, but then I forget, I get wrapped up in how interesting the dream is and I forget that it's not real and something suddenly will happen. Like out of nowhere, an alligator is trying to bite my legs or something. Right. And so I will a kick and this chemical does nothing to my legs in a situation <laughs> like that because I have kicked. Um, well, I, I I do a full kick, you know. <laughs> and um, oftentimes, if I'm in a dream and and something is attacking me, not to my legs, but is attacking me up normally, you can't right. see my hands, right now, <laughs> but I'm waving my arms around frantically. Anyway, um, if there's some kind of an attack that I need to use my hands for. And and my hands are just totally paralyzed. Right. And so I try a couple times. I can't move my hands. So I kick the person or, or right. monster or whatever it right. is, you know, alien, whatever. There's, um, and I think this is what you were getting with with Nima, but there's an actual disorder where you will wake up mm-hmm. and still be dreaming. Yeah. But be awake and be paralyzed. And it's where um, a lot of the 
um, demon alien. possessions, alien uh, abductions. abductions, that whole, you yeah. know, all of the p- things came to me in the middle of the night and yeah. paralyzed me and did things. Yeah, angels th- visited. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all um, thought to be because of this disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Nima's is a little different. He The way he described it, he wakes up. Mm-hmm. But even though he's fully awake, right, his arms are still paralyzed, or at least partially paralyzed. He has to like work them into working again. Wow! Especially his hands. His hands like really don't want to move because evidently that that chemical continues functioning even after he wakes up. Right. I have a slightly different version of that. I can be in the dream, and I can decide I don't want to be in this dream anymore. Right. And so I just force myself to wake up and get out of it. Right. But sometimes that doesn't completely work. And I wake up, I'm completely aware of where I'm at, of, of my, the reality of everything that I am awake. And yet my arms don't move and my mouth doesn't move. And, uh, and I'm still seeing the dream. I'm seeing the real room that I'm in and everything that's happening in that room. Right. And I'm still seeing the dream at the same time. Right. So for instance, one time I was in a grocery store in a dream and um, some bad things were happening, so I took myself out of that dream, and I put myself in a barbecue, because that's right. more fun than the grocery store. Right. But then the bad things that were happening in the grocery store didn't stop happening. That dream kept going, and now I was seeing both dreams at the same time. Right. And the bad things that were happening in the grocery store were starting to happen in the barbecue And I was seeing both dreams at the same time, and I got really upset, and I thought, fine, I'll just wake up. Um, And so I woke up. Now I'm awake. (laughs) I'm in the room. My wife is there, awake, trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Right. I'm in both the two dreams and awake at the same time, trying to tell her what's going on, but my mouth won't move. (laughs) So all I can do is, you know, make moaning kind of sounds, (laughs) and I'm flopping my legs around because my legs are functional. (laughs) But I can't move my arms or my torso or, you know, or my mouth or anything. See, I have, I have this weird thing where I have the ability to be awake and um, talking and moving and having intelligent conversations and be dead asleep. That's called drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> But it has caused problems because I've had full conversations with people before and like been like, yeah, no, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. And and then they're like, well, you gave me permission last night. I was like, I was asleep. I can't be held responsible for what I say when I'm asleep. <laughs> you sure we're not talking about drunk? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're talking about drunk. I'm not talking about drunk. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so that's my uh, last night. I had this really weird <laughs> I, I don't suppose people tuned into this podcast to hear the all dream discussion, but tell me about your dreams. <laughs> um, so last night, uh, like four o'clock or so, um, I started waking up and going to sleep because my back hurt and I was uncomfortable. So I wake up, move around, shift, trying to get in a better position, go back to sleep. And oftentimes dreams will come in at times like this. And oftentimes the dreams will interact with the pain I'm feeling in my back. Right. And that will, you know, enter into the dream that an alligator is biting me or whatever. Right. 
So, um, or, you know, I'm in the car with JFK and I just got shot in the head because now <laughs> I've got a headache. And, but anyway, um, so I'm, I'm falling in and out of sleep and I'm trying to get comfortable and I'm in this and I wander into this dream. And at first I recognized it was a dream, but then I forgot that it was a dream. Right. So, so in the dream, I was at a shopping mall and it wasn't specifically Christmas, Right. But it was a very, the shopping mall was very bright and very loud. There was a lot of music. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of decorations. But it didn't necessarily, it felt like Christmas, but I didn't actually see like Christmas trees or, or things like that. Right. So. Um, it was just sort of vaguely holiday. Yeah. And there was a, a kid there who was sort of a, a combination of 20 different um, 10, 12 year old people that I'm related to or that people I'm related to who were at at some point in time, 10 or 12 years old that I know what they were like, you know? (laughs) So this, this, uh, what is that called? An amalgam? Uh, no, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, an imaginary person in your dream who's actually made up of multiple people you actually know. Right. So this 12 year old kid has got this brand new toy that he's really thrilled with. Right. And the toy is, um, is a whole lot of little pieces like slightly bigger than a BB that, that all cling to each other Mm -hmm. and, um, and you can mold it and shape it. And the, and the computer in it kind of understands, like if you start to shape it towards a specific thing, right. It sees that you're making something like that out of it Mm -hmm. and it'll help you and it'll make that out of itself as you mold it into that. I want that toy. Yeah. So it's kind of like a tran, like a smart trans transformer, right? but it's made out of, you know, like a hundred tiny little pieces the size of, like double the size of a BB. Right. And they're not all round. Some were round, some were different shapes. Some were like little boots. Mm -hmm. Some were like little stars. You know, it was different shapes like that. But it was a smart toy. And if you stop playing with it, stop giving it attention, Mm -hmm. it'll try to wiggle around a little bit. You know, if you're just holding it, it'll Mm -hmm. wiggle around to try to get your attention. Right. And if you ignore it, it, pieces of it will start falling off. And and if you notice pieces are falling off and you put them back on and start paying attention, it'll start playing with you again. Right. But if you start ignoring it again, pieces will fall off again. And the round pieces, if you if you ignore it long enough for the round pieces to fall off, they'll fall off and take off rolling and make you chase them until you put it all back together and start playing with it again. See? That's a very manipulative toy. This was a very specific dream. And I don't know of anything, any object like that that exists. I don't. But if yeah, you I could make think, one, well, I don't think we're there technology-wise. I don't think we're, te- well, we might be. I don't know. There's a lot of nanotechnology that's happening. Yeah. But anyway, so this is the toy that this kid's playing with. Right. His mother didn't understand it. Right. His mother was also a combination of people that I'm related to that I know that were mothers at some right. point. So his mother didn't understand the toy, and she wanted him to specifically do this thing over here that was important to her. Right. And he didn't want to put down the toy because it would fall apart. Right. And, um, but he was very frustrated, so he put the toy down and went to do what his mom said. Right. And the toy understood that... He, it's being abandoned. Right. It's not just being ignored for a minute. It's being abandoned. And so it started falling apart very quickly. Right. So I grabbed the toy and I started putting the parts back on it to save it for the kid. Right. Except the toy realized that I was not the right person and it rejected me. And so it starts falling apart really quickly and rolling all the little round pieces are rolling away from me very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I grab up the pieces I can and I'm trying to pick up the other little pieces. 
Now, there's one more aspect about this mall. The mall kind of had this combination of a fountain and a um, a water feature, a little stream, um, and uh, an aquarium all in one thing. It mm-hmm. was this water that that wandered through all the walking and seating areas of the mall. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a little stream, Mm -hmm. except it had fish in it, tropical Mm -hmm. fish, exotic tropical fish, Mm -hmm. and um, which was really cool to have in a mall. Right. And um, and it just so happened that I was there with um, with my puffer fish on a leash, (laughs) and I was taking yeah, and I was taking my puffer fish for a swim in the mall, like you do. Yeah. When when all this took place with the kid with the toy. So I'm stuck trying to keep my puffer fish on the leash as we go through the stream. And I'm trying to pick up these all these little pieces at the same time. And it's getting very frustrating. And I accidentally led my puffer fish right into one of those fish. You know those exotic fish with the spikes all over them? Uh-huh. And he got stung. <laughs> and he got really mad at me. And and he turned into one of those deep sea fish with the big mouths like the like the needle teeth, you know, <laughs> with and the was, with the little yeah, glowy yeah. bit. Yeah, and he's trying to bite me because he's mad at me because I got him stung because I was paying attention <laughs> to the to the smart toy instead of him. <laughs> and and so I'm looking at this and I'm getting really frustrated because I'm all these little pieces of the toy are trying to escape me, and my pet fish is trying to bite me, <laughs> and I got this stupid mall music going on everywhere, <laughs> and people are walking by and nobody's helping me. I'm like, you know what? This is a stupid dream. I'm done. I'm out of here. Time to wake up. (laughs) So 4 o'clock this morning, I'm wide awake and angry. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid fish. Stupid toys. And it's all Michael Dean's fault. No, 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 it's not. But here's the thing with Michael Dean. Michael sent me a note last night that said, hey, when you wake up, Drop me a note, and we'll uh, we'll get we'll, you know we'll talk, we'll podcast, we'll right. have a phone call, something something like that, which we often do at four o'clock in the morning, right? And so I sent Michael a note, and and he was already asleep, <laughs> so I can't even tell Michael about my dream. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. There's more than just dream talk. Did you know author Taryn P. Lupo has a new novel out called One Nation Under Blood? When a rejuvenative blood technology is developed that pits the young against the old, the government must take firm steps to address the war of supply and demand brewing across generational lines. Blood is not the only thing bought and sold in this dystopian tale of technology, economics, and independence. Vampires are now very real, but we never expected them to wear our grandmother's best Sunday dress. And welcome back to the bad Quaker dream. What what do we I did I should have made up the words before I actually did that probably dream uh, dream podcast the badquaker dot com dream podcast <laughs> all dreams all the time <laughs> I used to have this terrible dream like it was a reoccurring dream we are going to make this the dream we're po- going to make this the dream podcast I apologize and I really apologize in advance but um. And it never happened except when I would get up in the middle of the night and I would go to the bathroom when I was a little kid, um, which I would do dead asleep (laughs) and dreaming. And there would be this person in there with this little girl who was always the same age as me. And he was always like frantic that one of us had to come with him. And the dream would never get resolved. It was just 
the, it, every every time every time I would wake up in the middle of the night and have to go to the bathroom there would be this guy and he would be like one of the two of you need to come with me and I was like well I have to go to the bathroom <laughs> so he would take the other little girl and I don't I don't know what it means but it was like for like 10 years I had this dream repeatedly so you missed out on whatever that the that the ghost your ghost twin got Apparently. to go and, and and save the world or something something uh, uh, I had a cousin that I, and I can't remember the whole story if he was if he had gone away to a summer camp or if it was some other kind of camp that he had gone <laughs> I, you know, I'm not sure I can't remember right but one way or the other uh, he had come home. And um, it was uh, summer, and there was watermelon in the refrigerator. And they had eaten watermelon uh, just not long before bedtime, which you often right. do in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, in the heat of the summer. Right. You have watermelon in the evening. And it's better oftentimes, parents, don't feed your kids watermelon and then send them to bed. <laughs> but Pro tip. <laughs> so uh, that's essentially what had happened, you know, right. hot uh, Kentucky nights. And everybody had watermelon outdoors, and then you clean it up, put the leftovers in the refrigerator, and all the kids go to bed. Right. And um, he woke up in the middle of the night and had to go to the bathroom, but he was, wasn't really awake. Right. So he was kind of half awake and half sleepwalking. And so he was ac- accustomed to wherever the camp was that he had been, they had uh, doors mm-hmm. on the stalls. Mm-hmm. So he was accustomed to walking up and opening the door to the stall stepping in and using the, the toilet. Mm-hmm. And so he w- walked into, the, opened the refrigerator door and peed all over the oh, watermelon. Oh, <laughs> nice. That, that was sort of a family legend when I was a kid. <laughs> but it was true. But, you know, <laughs> terrible, times. terrible Fun dreams. Times. Um, we've got to mention the last crazy dream from our a family story. Uh one of the um one of my mother's uh brothers i believe if i recall the story one of my mother's brothers so one of my uncles right was really bad about dream walking i mean you know, sleepwalking right and uh there was this area that was uh just like a couple hundred yards from my mother's childhood home that was uh and this is eastern kentucky and it was just if if you wanted to find a copperhead snake, it would be in there. Right. And so they just didn't go in there. You just stayed out of that whole area because you knew it was swarming with with copperheads. Right. And um, so one night in the middle of the night, they figured out that the that the my uncle, you know, and he was probably ten or twelve at the time. He was uh, he had gotten out of bed, and they were looking around the house trying to find him because sometimes he'd wander all over the place. Right. And so um, they thought, you know, okay, let's be quiet and see if we can hear him because they couldn't find him anywhere. And they had already started to look outside. Right. And they couldn't find him outside even. And so they were listening and they heard him. They heard way off in the distance, boo, boo, boo. (laughs) And so they started following the sound and somebody grabbed a lantern, you know, because they had uh, uh, kerosene lanterns. That's what they used. Right. So somebody grabbed a lantern, got it uh, lit. And they started looking around, following this sound, you know. And eventually, he they found him. He was sitting on a stump in the middle of this area where they would never go because the, it was right. so thick in copperheads. Right. He's sitting on the stump with his knees pulled up and just holding on to his legs, looking right at him with his eyes wide open, going, boo, 
boo. And dead asleep. And now here they are, nobody in the middle of the night, nice warm. You know how Kentucky summers are? Nice and warm, perfect time for Copperhead to be out. Nobody wanted to go in there and get him out. They somebody got, you know, boots on and and, right. and went in and got him, but uh, but that's one of the one of the family uh legends of sleepwalking. I always find it funny that you know, there's still this urban legend that you should never wake a person up when they're sleepwalking. Hmm. You know, oh, it'll kill them to wake. And it, it's just, it's funny how myths like that hold on and prevail. Yeah. Because you are supposed to wake them up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Anima was talking about that a little bit. That, you know, one of the urban legends like that is that if you're sleeping and you're falling in your sleep. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the ground in your dream, mm-hmm. you'll die. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, that's what I did. I've done that. <laughs> I fell and hit the ground, you know, <laughs> in my sleep. Um, but I think that may have been partially how I learned to control dreams. Right. Because I'd have those falling dreams and I'd think, okay, I'm in a dream and I'm falling. I'd recognize it. Right. And then I wouldn't want to hit the ground. Right. So I would just imagine myself coming down towards the ground and then swooping parallel with the ground and, and right. you know, cruising along on the ground. I don't ever get those flying dreams, like when I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, I might. I don't know. I don't remember my dreams when I'm asleep. But mm-hmm. I have that falling sensation, like, when I'm awake. <laughs> like, w- if I'm walking up or downstairs, mm-hmm. I get that falling sensation, like, really badly. Really? Yeah. Or, like, and it's not. it's not like... It's not like vertigo, like I'm afraid of heights, mm-hmm. because I can stand, you know, up on a tall ladder or anything like that. Heights don't affect me at all. Yeah. But it's just that movement. Or like video games, I can't mm-hmm. play video games. Like I can play from like the NES, mm-hmm. where they have the flat two-dimensional screen. Right. I can play that. Um, but I can't play anything where there's a three-dimensional aspect to it because it makes me really dizzy and have that falling sensation. Hmm. It's very weird. That's and I've gotten it driving, too. Like, hmm. I don't know. It's very weird. Have you had any concussions? Um, I don't know. I know <laughs> as a child I was prone to hitting my head a lot. That's not true. <laughs> I know that I have had concussions. I know that I have. Like, I have blacked out before from hitting my head. Yeah, that's... That's but, that's an absolute concussion. If yeah. you lose any consciousness at all, then yeah. it's considered a concussion. The funny part is every time it's happened, like <laughs> I don't fall down or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just I lose that chunk of memory. So the next thing I know I'm like sitting in a different room and talking <laughs> to people and I just how did I get here? One of my worst concussions, and I may have talked about this on the podcast before. I know you've heard about it before. Right. But uh, one of my worst concussions, I don't remember anything having to do with it whatsoever. It happened on a Friday night, I think about, uh, I'm going to make a wild guess, like 6 or 8 o'clock at night right. in the evening. Right. And I I have memory of that Friday evening to something like about two hours before it happened, right. hour and a half before it happened, something like that. Right. But uh, I was at a friend's house. A different friend showed up with a skateboard. I was never good on skateboards. Yeah, no. But I but I always liked skateboards, <laughs> and I could do some tricks on skateboards, but I was not good at it. Right. Um, so anyway, um, so the kid shows up, with, I, and I should say I was, I think I was 17 when this happened. 
So the kid shows up with a, with a new skateboard, brand new skateboard, really right. fancy. And so right. this is the late 70s. So skateboards had just manifested away from being a board with skates tied to it. Right. And they had just become <laughs> actually what we know of skateboards. Right. Um, so uh, we all went outside. Now, I don't have any memory of any of this. So this is all secondhand. People told me about it. That's how I know. Right. So I went outside and I guess probably people took turns messing with the skateboard. And at some point, I must have. And the how whatever it was I was doing, I failed. And I went <laughs> backwards and hit the back of my head straight down on the pavement. Ooh. And I was absolutely no movement, no, no, you know, uh, still had color. Right. You see, and you have to also realize... Um, the our whole group because of the different things we faced on a regular basis <laughs> we we kind of knew triage and we kind of knew how to to assess a victim and see what exactly needed right. to be done and we also had hard rules you do not call parents for an injury right. period right you do not call parents you do not call 911 although 911 was like a brand new thing back then right and not all places had it but you don't call the police you don't, for anything. You never call the police for anything. Right. That was a cardinal sin for us. Right. And you never uh, call an ambulance or, or if the person is squirting blood, if there's actual squirting going on, then you compress mm -hmm. and get the person to a hospital, to emergency room, and dump them off at the curb as quickly as possible. Right. Um, you don't let yourself be seen going in because right. probably something criminal took place to get you into that situation right and uh so so these were rules that we live by right and even if a criminal activity did not happen everyone's going to assume it did right right and there's going to be and there's paperwork. investigations and they <laughs> want to search you and find things they shouldn't shouldn't find and yeah and paperwork so anyway so i hit the ground and didn't move and um the first thing they did was carefully see if the back of my head was actually indented Right. Because that would have been justified to make an anonymous phone call to an ambulance. Right. And the back of my head was not indented. So that means I didn't actually have um, a skull fracture that, that, you know, embedded into the brain. Right. So they just kind of, you know, talked to me, rubbed my hand, tried to encourage me to wake up, this kind of thing. Right. And after a few minutes, they got to the point where they decided they were going to have to make an anonymous call to the to the uh, ambulance right and about that time i started moving my eyes and so that convinced them okay no let's right. let's right. wait a couple more minutes and i started making a little bit of a noises and saying words little simple words and i started recognizing faces and eventually it's clear okay ben's fine right now like i said i don't have any memory of that <laughs> what i remember is I was at the guy's house, and it was like five, six, seven, whatever time. Right. Who, who cares? Right. And um, all of a sudden, I was waking up, and I was at a city park about two miles away on a, uh, uh, on a cement park bench. Kind of a bench. It's kind of a retaining wall and kind of a bench at the same time. Right. Next to a fountain. And it's, the sun is just coming up, and birds are singing, and it's really cold. And I'm laying there on the cement looking around. And what I found out later was that it was Sunday morning. <laughs> and this all started Friday night. And I have no memory of anything that happened between those points of time. And evidently, I went to two different parties and was um, quite popular. <laughs> and, I, and I have no memory of any of it. And that's what, that's probably my, mo my most severe concussion. Yeah. That one. Now, uh... 
There are others that might compete with it where I was actually hauled away by ambulances and, and right. things like that. But but that one um, was maybe the most dramatic. Yeah. That kind of had no point whatsoever, right? Ramblings. I mean, Yay, there was ramblings. absolutely nothing to do with liberty or voting or no. who the president is. No. Actually, it's probably about as important as who the president is and Probably. Voting. It's probably similar to that. Well, um, because the president has no power at all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, only to kill. You wow. Know. Um, th- but there was a word that I thought of when I was talking in there that I thought uh, we ought to peel out and talk about. What would have that word been? Triage. Triage. Exactly. <laughs> You're pretty sharp. <laughs> um, well, that was one of the things that we talked about um, in our late night podcast that we didn't record yeah you should mention that you should tell you yeah. should explain we that. had we had a very very good podcast that several times throughout it we stopped and we were like we should really just go ahead and get out the recording and record this and then we never did <laughs> and i don't really remember anything that we talked about it was about three hours wasn't it something like that yeah so we could have actually recorded three podcasts yeah but one of the things that we did talk about was triage. Yes, we did talk about triage and about um, the idea that um, you have to choose which people to put your efforts into saving. Yeah. Um, and, and for anybody that doesn't is not familiar with the term triage, uh, it's kind of like if you imagine a situation like, let's say... Um, Let's say a train wrecks in front of your in, in front of you. You're mm-hmm. you're at a, a railroad crossing or whatever, and a train wrecks. And there are passengers that are in various different states of uh, of injury, and so you want to try to help. So you start walking through. Actually, this came from the battlefield. So let's use the battlefield. This is where the word originated from. Right. Uh, the, because the French, uh, you know, were involved in a lot of killing in the 1800s. So they really they they got to the point where they were making up words just to uh, <laughs> to help assist in their in their <laughs> mechanical killing of people on the battlefields. So um, so we have a, a battlefield situation where you have you know like ten. Uh, injured soldiers, right? And one of these injured soldiers has the better part of his head blown off, right? And but he's still alive, right? And now your next soldier that you have is, um, let's say, he's got a leg blown off, and he's got part of an arm blown off, but his torso and his head is fine, right? And you've got another soldier who has had uh, uh, a, a severe, um, let's say, a crushing of the bones in his leg, right? So he's got a le- his leg is is crushed, and he he may have you know eight or ten fractures in the one leg, right? And then you've got another guy who um, who fired his pistol wrong, and the slide on the pistol came back and cut the back of his hand, right? All right, now here's what you don't want to do: you don't want to get so involved in trying to help the guy who lost half of his head, who's still alive. Right. You, he, you're, he's gone. Right. You, he's, there's he's nothing you can do die. to save him. Yeah, he is gone. And and the odds are um, he's unconscious. Right. If he's not, he's going to be very quickly. Right. Because, you know, he massive blood loss, you're not going to save him. Right. You're probably not going to comfort him. Even if you give, if you, if you have a morphine shot right there and you give it to him, 
you're probably not going to help him. Right. It's, he's probably going to be dead before he has a chance for the morphine to do anything. Right. So literally, as cold-hearted as this seems, you have to just walk away from him and not not waste one moment of time on him. Right. Because the guy who's had both his arm and his leg blown off is going to be bleeding almost as bad as that guy, except you might be able to save him. Right. So you want to get to that guy and put tourniquets on him as quickly as possible. Right. But if you get to him and you determine that he's already lost too much blood, if you waste time with him, you're going to lose the other guy, uh, who you're going to lose if you keep working with this guy. Right. But if if you're not careful, you lose them both. Right. So triage involves these hard decisions. But at the same time... You know, the the guy who cut his hand open may be the one screaming the loudest. Yeah. And you have to ignore him because he's not a priority. Or maybe even a trick of the battlefield. Get him involved in holding pressure onto the other guy that you right. can't deal with right now. Right. You know, or get him involved in going over with the dude that lost half his head. Right. And talking to him for a few moments in his last, you know, his life. If you can get him involved somewhere and get his mind off of his little scratch. Right. You know, he's what's called the walking wounded. Right. But sometimes those people are the most vocal. Right. So, so this is basically what triage is. You decide based on a series of criteria who you can help. Um, who needs to be helped first, who needs to be helped second, and who you have to just say, I'm sorry, right. I cannot help you. Yeah. There is nothing I can do to help you. And uh, and we have to do that oftentimes, you know, dealing... Oh, here's the other thing. I decided I'm going to stop using the phrase liberty movement, if I can remember it. Yeah. Because I put a post about this in Facebook. Uh, I think the liberty movement is something that has been going on for a very long time. Right. It's older than Ron Paul. Right. Um, it goes all the way back to, you know, guys printing up stuff in their basement and people writing up manifestos and mailing them to, you know, to newspapers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way to where we are now. But I think we need to step away from a liberty movement and it becomes a mission, a mission of liberty mm-hmm. and not just something that we're doing because it's cool right. you know, or something that we're doing because it seems good or it seems like the right. I think it needs to be a mission. I think it needs to be we need to take it far more serious than we've ever taken it before. Right. But anyway, so so in the liberty mission, um, you're looking at some people that just cannot be helped. Right. Some people that if you try to help them, the time that you take out to help them it's time that you can't help somebody that you know you can help. Right. And so we have to draw these hard lines and um, and just let go of some of these people. They can't be helped. Mm-hmm. They, they are just too far gone, mm-hmm. and you can't do anything about it. I find that often when you're arguing with status, um, especially in a public forum like Facebook or something like that, it's very easy to just get sucked into it and try to convince them, you know, because they'll make arguments that are very one-dimensional and flat and easily disproven and so you go to try to do it but the thing is they're not looking for you to do that that's not their actual position they have not actually thought it through and they don't want you to give them a logical argument they just want to repeat rhetoric to you yeah and if you try to uh have a logical argument with them they're just going to resort to being angry and name calling and Mm. and you know, that level. And at that point, once you've reached that point, you have to walk away from them because you're not achieving anything, you know? And, 
And it, it can be useful to do that if you are trying to make a point for other people. Mm-hmm. If, if there are other people viewing this and you can say, see, this is, I'm trying to be logical yeah. and this is what they descend to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good as a, D- a demonstrating. Right. Yeah. But it's not, you're never going to convince that person. Right. So if you're not doing it in a public forum for other people, yeah. if you're doing it in a private, if this is a family member that you're doing private emails back and forth with or phone conversations or face to face, you're not helping your situation any. And, yep. and you're going to lose that friendship or that relationship or whatever for no reason. So there's no point in it. Yep. When we come back from this break, we'll talk about uh, Anarchy Bingo. Oh, Anarchy Bingo. Yay. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network. Anarchy Bingo. Anarchy Bingo. So this is something we're actually tossing around the idea of, of, of making at least maybe in t-shirt form. I don't know. Something. Yeah. I'd thought about a, an updated Monopoly game with like Ben Bernanke and the Fed. And so I thought about that a couple of years ago and I got some pretty good input from some different people. And then I kind of let it slide. I should pick that back up too. Right. But uh, but this idea between you and your mom, you guys thought of this, uh, to have a anarchy bingo. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like... Um, um, but what about the roads? A7, A7. <laughs> I've got roads, roads. <laughs> and yeah. the, the if you don't vote, you can't complain. If you don't vote, you can't complain. A9, A9. <laughs> Who has A9? And uh, and uh, if you don't like America, why don't you just move out? 1A, 1A. <laughs> Illogical fallacy, 1A. Yeah. So, and, I mean, there are there are a lot of these bumper sticker type statements that um statists like to throw out that don't they don't really mean anything and are easily disproven but again they're not they're not given because the person thinks that they're right a logical argument they're given as a gotcha i win haha i'm gonna stop listening now it's and and they're so universal yeah it's really weird it's almost Roads. I yeah. don't understand why they always choose roads. Yeah. Or or um, they don't even know this term, but dispute resolution. Yeah. They're always like, well, well, what would happen if you had a dispute with someone over property? Let's, oh, what, what, how would, how would, how would, it, hey, how have people done this for millions of years? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, do you, do you honestly believe that if you trust the, if you have a problem with your neighbor, over a, over some kind of property dispute, you really think going to the government is a good idea? Yeah. No, you haven't I spent don't. much time in court, have you? No. <laughs> Nobody wins. Nobody wins when you take it to the to the state run court. <laughs> you know, and to the point where um, the state run courts are so inefficient that corporations, which are yeah. a tool of the state, do not even use state-run courts. The military, which is a tool of the state, does not use state-run courts. Yeah, it would rather use its own court system. It, yes. Because it understands how horrible the so-called public court system is, public justice. Anything that's public. Yeah. Anything that doesn't have an owner, the idea of the commons, you know, mm-hmm. it's always 
worse than if it were privately owned. And 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 it's really funny with statists. First off, they hate when you call them statists because they think statists are those other people, right? That believe in the state, but it's not them, right? That believe in the state, you know. But but they always get upset too when you point out that well, if you're talking about a collectivist system that is central planned to decide what law is and to meter out how law is dispensed and then to decide what justice is and how justice is dispensed, all central plan from the same group of people, that's socialism. And mm-hmm. if you like that, that makes you a socialist. Yep. And then they get mad. Well, you're name-calling. No, I'm not. We're defining terminology here. Right. You're living in a fantasy land. Right. You know, denying that you are indeed a socialist. You're, right. You say the free market works best and governments are best when, when that govern the least. But you don't actually want that. No. No, they don't want it. And they want it, they they want to live in this fantasy world where they believe that they are capitalists when in fact they are corporatists. Yeah. And they want to believe that, you know, greed is good and capitalism is good and and all of that, but they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And they don't really believe it and and they are afraid to walk away from the whole idea that somebody is going to be in charge of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's really strange, especially in things like uh, like justice, if you just think about justice. And 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 the the statist will immediately think in their mind, well, you can't possibly have justice without having a neutral third party like the government. Right. Now, when did the government become a neutral third party? Right. Especially when it comes to things like, you know, roads. Yeah. So you're driving down the road and um, a cop pulls you over and gives you a ticket and you go to court to fight the ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, the cop and the judge and the person making the law all work for the same person. And they all get money from you one way or the other. Right. So they're all interested in taking your money. So how is this a neutral third party justice system? This is the opposite of that. And, you know, a lot of folks also try to point out when it comes to things like, you know, traffic violations. Um, we've only invented in the last, uh, really only about the last 75 years, the concept that rules like that made up to keep, uh, you know, because rules of the highway are made up to keep cars from crashing into each other. Right. And to keep harm from being done. Right. And they work so well. Yeah. You can tell because we have more deaths on the highways than we have in wars. But nobody really notices or cares about that. It's perfectly right. fine. We can, we can have 30,000, 40,000 people a year die in the United States, and that's okay. Right. But if we lose 3,000 in a war, then, then people are actually upset. Right. Now, losing 3,000 in a war is not good. Right. But ignoring 30,000, 40,000 a year that are killed on the American highways and saying, well, there's nothing we can do about that. Right. No, there's nothing you can do about it because the government controls the roads. Right. Because they are centrally planned. Yeah. Right now, the roads are socialism. It, there is a central planner planning out where the road should be and where the the line should be and mm-hmm. what the speed limit should be and where each car should go. And it works terribly because central planning always fails yeah um if there were a free market and you could say well i don't want to drive on jim mm -hmm. bob's road because it's crazy yeah i'm gonna drive over here on billy bob's road because it's safer yeah 
but you can't do that. Yeah. There's only the state's roads. And so these these goons in government, they make they make up a, a, a law after law after law after law. Now these used to be guidelines for driving. Right. But as soon as government gets involved, it becomes law. Yeah. Well, all through the all through ancient times, all the way up to modern times, law involved property. Right. Law was based on property. Right. Did I harm you or your property? Did I take part of you or your property? Have I somehow cost you, uh, you know, uh, f- for your property? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the judge would decide whose property was harmed, who was mm-hmm. the aggressor, and what had to be done to uh, bring, you know, uh, to pay for the damage right. that was done. But that's not the case with law today. Law today is now just an arbitrary a series of decisions made by bureaucrats. And oftentimes, it's not even actually the, the so-called lawmakers that make the laws. Right. It's, it's low-level bureaucrat, bureaucrats that decide, well, we need a stop sign here. We'll just put it here. Right. We need uh, to kill this turn lane, and we'll just do it. Right. We need to put up a no turning here, so we'll just do it. We'll put up a stoplight here and force people to stop at 3 o'clock in the morning and sit there while the, while the light cycles through, even though there's no one at that stoplight. Mm-hmm. And we'll put a cop across the street, and we can gain revenue when people run that stoplight. Or not even a cop. We'll just put a camera. Yeah, put a camera up there. We don't even have to pay the cop. And uh, there you go. You're guilty just because we said you are. And, right. and it, there's a, no assumption of innocence. And you have to pay. And if you don't pay, it's just like any other crime. Yeah. Eventually, you will see men coming at you with guns. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, that's all they have. That's that's the only thing that they can resort to. But this is entirely a new invention, this whole idea that law now becomes a series of rules made up just because somebody in government decided to make them up. Yep. Not not because one person has harmed another, or not maybe not even because there's a potential of harm. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you disobeyed the rules. And not to go into a big cop block thing, but there was a deal the other day where a guy was walking his dog in his own neighborhood on his own street, like a couple of houses away from his house. And he's walking along, and it's kind of late at night. Right. And he's walking his dog, which was a lab, um, I think it was a lab, uh, a lab setter, lab Irish setter mix or something like that. Mm-hmm. Two big, dumb, friendly dogs, right? right. They, that kind of, it's not like a, it wasn't anything in the boxer family. Right. It wasn't the feared Rottweilers. Or, right. It's a big, dumb family dog. Right. And so the guy's walking the dog along, and there's some cops doing something across the street. And, you know, you don't necessarily pay all that much attention. If you're innocent and you're doing nothing and you're walking along and somebody yells some muffled order at you from across the street, right. you don't necessarily just immediately respond and obey. Right. That's, that's not, it's not even human nature to right. do that. Right. But, um, but evidently, the guy was walking into a forbidden zone that the cops had made up themselves. And um, as he's walking his dog along, they start barking orders at him, and he didn't respond as quick as they wanted. So they, the two cops come running at him. One of them grabs him and body slams him. Now, he's still holding the dog on the leash. Right. The dog turns around and starts walking back towards them. Right. Not in an aggressive manner. Right. In a curious, like, what is going on? <laughs> Are we playing? What's yeah. going on? And so the second, they shoot him. the second cop pulls his pistol and shoots the dog, and the dog has to lay there and bleed to death, of course, because a pistol shot to a dog, uh, unless you hit him in the heart, right. or 
you know, a headshot with a pistol in a dog is very, very difficult with any right. small animal like that. Right. Um, so unless you catch their heart or their spine real up high, like right at the base of the neck, mm-hmm. unless you do that, the dog has to bleed to death, right. which takes a while. And so um, none of this would be known because the cop's story is that they gave him commands and he was ignoring him and the dog was threatening and violent. Right. And they were afraid of the dog. Right. Now, I don't know how grown men with multiple weapons could possibly be such cowards that they would be afraid of a lab. I, I, I can't imagine that scenario not, in my mind. I'm not certain that, you know, I, I don't know that there would ever be a scenario where I would be afraid of a lab, armed or not lab, yeah. or not. Yeah. It's a lab. Yeah. But even, even let's take the worst case scenario. Let's say it is a trained attack dog. Right. I have dealt with trained attack dogs. I know people personally who train attack dogs. Uh, we're, talking, we're not talking about sniffer dogs. Right. We're not talking about even yard guard dogs. Right. I'm talking about go- dogs that are used and trained to attack. Right. I, I know people who have done that, and I have dealt with those kind of dogs. And I have no fear of dogs. Right. Period. Right. I can take out any dog anytime I want. Right. Now, no gun needed. Yeah. Now, if if I have a gun and a taser and pepper spray and a club, which cops do, mm-hmm. and probably a backup gun, there is no dog in the world that that I could possibly be afraid of. Right. Not because I'm brave, but because I'm not a coward and I'm not an idiot. Right. But somebody, however you want to describe them, these two cops, one that decides that because this guy didn't respond to his orders immediately, he has to be attacked, thrown to the ground. And the other is such a coward that he sees a lab coming at him and decides he's threatened, he has to shoot it. Now, either we're idiots because we believe this, or he's a coward. Right. Or, or else he's just following orders, which is always shoot the dog. Right. Which is also... Which is in the same... To me, that's being a coward. Yeah. Because if somebody gives me that order, I'm going to say, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, but but we've gotten to the point in this society that we're in where the, the police state has come upon us to the point of where um, a single command by a cop is the law. Mm-hmm. Now, that... America has been in some pretty bad conditions before where U.S. presidents marched troops on uh, on Americans in Appalachia because they weren't paying their whiskey tax. Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. A U.S. president murdering Appalachians because they weren't paying their whiskey tax. That yeah. was bad. Snatching up, you know, 18-year-old boys and making them go into the jungles of Vietnam and kill yeah. people. That's pretty bad. That's bad. Having them sprayed with uh, with Monsanto chemicals, Agent Orange... That was bad. That was bad. That's bad stuff. You know, uh, Lincoln, um, the the great and holy Lincoln that we all bow before, um, he uh, he had the entire... um, um, Maryland? Yeah, the entire Maryland legislature arrested with no charges and held through the entire war, uh, even though they had done nothing. They weren't even accused of doing anything wrong. Right. And and he did that. He he um, kidnapped them and held them through the through the entire war, um, because he was an evil person. Right. And that was bad. Right. But the condition we've come to today in America is where law is anything that barks out of some idiot coward's mouth. Right. And if we don't obey it immediately, they are justified in grabbing us, throwing us to the ground, or if you're 
darker skinned mm-hmm. and living in a place like Pasadena, mm-hmm. they're justified shooting you in the back, mm-hmm. which they did. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't even have to be um, a racial thing. You know, that mm-hmm. guy, that guy who had a permit for his gun and oh, yeah, he came yeah. out of the what, it, Walmart or something yeah, yeah. and they just shot him. Yeah. Uh, It was like three or four different cops were waiting for him as he walked out the door, and they all started shouting different uh, opposing orders at him. Mm -hmm. Hands up. Keep your hands where we can see them. Don't move. All these orders at the same time. And drop the gun, which the gun was holstered, and his hands were already, he was holding other things. Right. The gun was holstered, and so because one of them, he, he couldn't do everything they were telling him to do. Right. So one of them decided he wasn't obeying quick enough, killed him. Yeah. Um, there's the homeless guy, I think it was somewhere in Southern California, but I can't remember where. The homeless guy that was uh, um, um, you know, mentally handicapped, mm-hmm. well-known in the community, the, the son of, the, uh, a form of a retired sheriff's deputy from that area. Mm-hmm. And he had mental problems. He was completely harmless. Everybody knew about him. Mm-hmm. The cops come down to investigate possible break-ins in cars in a parking lot. He doesn't respond immediately to the commands that they give him. So over the course of like a half an hour, a group of cops beat him to death. And then they went around collecting people's video cameras to try to destroy all the evidence. Wow. Now, there's been a huge cover-up on this. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll put it in today's show notes. But a huge cover-up on this that has caused different ones in the first, you know, the, the police story was completely a lie. Right. Then the next story was completely a lie. And then the next story was completely a lie. Right. And then the, the police, uh, like the chief of police, took a, a temporary um, medical leave, mm-hmm. uh, paid. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he quit after he took up all of his paid leave that he had. Right. And still there's no justice for this guy who was beaten to death. No, because he'll just move three towns over and become... Yeah, that's what the cops do. They'll, they'll, they'll leave that police force, they'll go to another one, and because the union, the cop union, uh, has rules that won't let their, their record be passed from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And so then somebody else will hire him. This kind of went in a different direction. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and that's why you shouldn't vote, kids. <laughs> not saying, we're not saying we hate cops. We just hate what they do. Well, no, we don't hate cops at all. And again, we talked about the military the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you, can have a, you can have a complete disgust for the military. Mm-hmm. And and not hold any animosity against individual soldiers. The thing is, and and somebody on the forum, it's super quick. I know we're running out of time, but somebody on the forum mentioned because on our last podcast we talked about that, mm-hmm. and they mentioned that they do hold soldiers responsible for uh, war crimes that those soldiers have committed, and I agree with that completely. Sure, I think if you have shot um, some child or if you have drone bombed some child in pakistan or the middle east or whatever mm-hmm. you should be held responsible for that that in, is not that is not you know oh well the state made me do it i was just doing my job well you need to not do that job that's evil and immoral and if right. you do it you are evil and immoral but the bureaucrat who pushes paperwork and you know is in the military and works at the pentagon and maybe doesn't directly yes you are responsible for evil that is happening but Mm. it is not 
necessarily on your hands. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not saying that your entire profession is wrong. I'm saying that the well, state it, is twisting that profession into something that is evil. Yeah. Yeah. And it will always lead to that. You need to make sure that you take steps to not participate in that evil. Yeah. yeah, that but and keep in mind too, you can have a soldier who is assigned to an air force base in Germany mm-hmm. and his job is to, you know, uh drive the jeep around. They don't have jeeps, but he drives the uh Humvee you know, or whatever yeah, it is. whatever and he just takes the, you know, this officer from this location to that location right. and, and and because he's a soldier, there's nothing inherently evil about him. Right. And there can also be a soldier who's active duty in a very dangerous place who acts to defend himself and defend his uh, fellow soldiers that are with him. Right. And maybe his assignment isn't the smartest in the world to send you know, you know troops into an area right. that's not a threat to anybody. Right. But that's different from just indiscriminately saying, okay, you know what, we're going to take this village out. Right. And then... Um, and then the soldiers go in and do that. Right. Follow those orders and do it. Right. This is a totally different thing. Right. And then we're talking about the the acts of individuals who could choose, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Now, you do that in the military, and you're going to have serious problems. Right. You know, um, possibly even death. Right. But um, but that's what you get for associating with a crime gang. Right. You know? Uh, you know, and I have, I have great sympathy for many people in the military because... It's it's almost an indentured servitude. Yeah, in many for ways. For a lot of people. You know, yeah. a lot of people are military family and they're relatively well off and they go into the military because that's yeah. what their family does. But there are a lot of people who go into the military because they have no other options and it's that or prison. Right. And that's it's, no that's no choice at all. Yeah. And then once you get in, you can't get out. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can get out, but but Technically speaking, you can't get out until they say you can get out, which right. is servitude. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah. I think we've we've used up all of our time, probably. Yeah. More, more than. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, folks, for more on liberty, zero aggression principle, and property. Property go, rights. Go to badquaker.com. Thanks a lot, folks.